0: Thank mm-hmm. you. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is a New York Times bestselling author of 34 books, including three young adult novels that have been translated into 24 languages. Her current book, Last Day, released just February 1st, and already she has amassed almost 1,200 five-star reviews. Um, Luann Rice's books often center on love and family, nature, the sea. She is an environmentalist, and it shows in her writing. Um, She also has a book called The Beautiful Lost, which deals with teenage depression, something she herself experienced. Um, She is also an advocate for mental health awareness and a participant in McLean's Hospital Deconstructing Stigma, A Change in Thought Can Change Life. I am thrilled to welcome to Authors on the Air, New York Times bestselling author, Luann Rice. Hi, Luann. Welcome. Hi, Pam.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. Oh, thank
0: you. I'm so thrilled that you're here. You know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and when I posted that you were going to be on, everybody decided to name their favorite Luann Rice book. And um, so that made me go and buy a couple of them because I don't have a full Luann Rice library yet, but I probably will by the end of our conversation. Um, (laughs) Congratulations on the success of the new book that just launched, on the 1st, and already it's a runaway bestseller. Oh, thank you
1: so much. I'm completely thrilled. I, I've been blown away by the whole experience. It's wonderful.
0: Um, Thomas & Mercer is quite a group to be working for, so uh, and they really do a good job in do, promoting their authors, so I'm thrilled that you're with them, and I'm thrilled that they sent me your, the hardcover of your book. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your books because it seems to me just from doing a little research on you and reading about your books and um you talk a lot and maybe these are some main themes for you and maybe not but um you seem to talk about sisters and family a lot in your books um in your standalones particularly so um you also have um a collection of stories but I want to talk to you first about your books that involve sisters you even have a book called The Geometry of Sisters will you tell me where those thoughts and inspirations come from
1: yes i so i'm the oldest of three sisters and when we were young um we came from a you know very close family and in fact we had a small house and we shared a bedroom we were um, wow! Literally inseparable, yeah. And I had, um, I have another young adult novel called *The Secret Language of Sisters*, which yes, is because we did have one. You know, we 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 could just convey something with a secret word or a glance or, you know, and, and a lot of humor. I mean, a lot of, um, and we, it's kind of how we got through life. You know, was by laughing and by uh, just with having this. I guess this kind of bond Um, we would climb out the window of our bedroom and sit on the roof and watch for shooting stars. And if it was snowing, we'd still be out there um, making snowballs and throwing them. And yeah, it was just a very close relationship. And I guess that I, probably the most important relationship of, you know, my younger life. And I'm always trying to learn more about them and me and uh, different trajectory in our relationships. Um, you know, things change obviously as you get older. So, sure. But I'm still thinking about, yeah.
0: How wonderful. Um, are your sisters and you close in age?
1: Yes. I, so we're all about two years apart and wow. went to, you know, went to school together, walked to school together. Um, I, I was, I'm the oldest, so I was sometimes their protector. But then that t- that turned sometimes, and they would be mine. We just really took care of each other, and we had we had sort of sad some sadness in our family when we were young. And I think that it really helped us survive to be together. I think that's
0: wonderful. I am the oldest of three younger brothers, um, one who is no longer with us. And and I, I like you being the older was the protector until I was in my thirties and then all of a sudden it changed. And, um, by one traumatic event, as you talked about, uh, changed. And they, especially my now youngest brother, who was my middle brother became my, my great protector and really my best friend. But, um, yeah, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm infinitely interested in the, the life of sisters because, um, uh, I have seen some that have nothing to do with each other and then others mm-hmm. who are so close. And I'm, I'm sometimes very envious of that relationship because I did not have that. So um, that's why it fascinates me that you talk a lot. A lot of your books are about sisters, which brings me to last day. We're going to talk about some of your other books in a bit. But this once again is about sisters who, again, have a trauma in their life. And um, one goes one way and the other goes another way. Tell me how this book came into your mind and how you wanted to develop this. What do you want readers to know about The Last Day?
1: Well, for me, all of my novels begin with one character. And that is true for Last Day, too. Kate, who is the main character in this, um, came, it really almost, one day I was daydreaming and she came into my mind and I felt as if I knew her. She had a name as soon as I started thinking about her. Um, I knew that her sister had been murdered. And I think that part of the reason that, that that was working inside me was that, uh, the novel is based or at least inspired in part by a real life murder that affected my fam- my adult family when I was, um, older and married. Yeah. And so it's something that I wrote about when it's not long after the trial of the killer, I wrote an article for Glamour magazine um, that I'd always thought maybe someday I'll write a novel based on this, but that was many, many years ago. That was in the early Mm nineties. And so it's taken this long. And I think that, you know, it had to kind of get filtered through a lot more life experience before I was ready yes. to do it. Um, that um, makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, well, you tell
0: tell listeners a little bit about the story, and um, not we're not giving away too much because, folks, this is a exquisitely written thriller. And, and I don't know if you had meant it to be more than a character study, but to me, I was on the edge of my seat when I was reading it. So I've decided to call it a thriller. <laughs> Even though um, that may not be the genre you think of it in, um, but I was drawn to it immediately. Just uh, the jacket description of it made me Thank say, you. "I need to know this but You're welcome. So, um, so Kate is is one of two sisters. Mm-hmm. What happens to them that kind of breaks them apart a little bit?
1: Well, before I just one thing I will say is I love that you call it a thriller and I do think of it as a thriller. Uh Oh Oh, yeah. And my favorite books, uh, I love reading mysteries and suspense and thrillers. So I, I'm absolutely delighted that you said that. Um, Oh, oh, good. (laughs) So what happens to them when they're teenagers, their, their family owns um, an art gallery, a prominent art gallery in Black Hall, Connecticut, which many of my novels are set in Black Hall, and it's based on the real life Old Lyme, Connecticut, which is the birthplace of American Impressionism. And so wow. the girls and their mother are the victims of essentially a home invasion, although it's actually a gallery invasion, where they're um, tied up and the gallery is robbed. And while they're tied together, and this is all in the past. Um, Their mother dies, and she's restrained, and she chokes, and she dies. And so the two Mm -hmm. sisters are completely traumatized. They react in in very different ways to the crime and to the loss of their mother. Beth becomes almost, she becomes like a a workaholic and a um, very focused, saving the family gallery she drops out of college to make sure that the family business continues and she kind of deals with it in a she deals with the trauma in a in a sort of head-on way Kate Mm -hmm. actually literally takes to the sky she becomes a pilot and she leaves her problems on earth and the two sisters will never stop loving each other but they can never be as close as they once were because they really can't talk about or face what happened um, all those years ago. And when this novel opens, um, when Last Day opens, Beth has been murdered. Kate finds her body. And there may or may not be a connection to the same work of art, a painting called Moonlight, that was stolen when their mother died. I'll tell you what
0: grabbed my attention on this. Um, You say uh, Detective Reed can't help but feel – well, detectives assigned to the case, Connor Reed, swore to protect the sisters from then on. That's when the girls were young and their mother died. That's what happened there. And -hmm. then as we know, Beth is, you know, murdered. Um, Detective Reed can't help but feel a sense of deja vu. I love that you've introduced this character who feels so protective of mm-hmm. the girls and now of course, of Kate because she is the remaining in the family and um, you twist it into a lovely little thing where a uh, best husband is a suspect, and with uh, you know with a poorly hidden secret affair that he's having poorly it's not really a secret everybody knows Mm -hmm. I don't want to tell any more about it but there are so many different layers of this story going on from the personalities of the girls to the detective Reed to the nasty husband (laughs) (laughs) that I but who is such a, a very rich character, by the way, but, you know, just you didn't you just didn't like him because you, he's a suspect. Um, when you started writing this book, did you know where you were taking this story? Are you did you write it organically?
1: Yes, I did. I, I had no idea where I was taking it. And it, it's interesting because I never know when I'm writing a novel what's going to happen on the next page. I don't plot and I don't outline. It, it, it's kind of different when writing a suspense novel, obviously, because yes. there are twists and turns. But they happened naturally. It's sort of like the characters did it all for me. Um, the, you know, the, I guess the setup. I mean, I guess what happened at the very beginning of the book had me wondering who did this and who and why, and what what was the Motive, um, and it right. takes quite a while to really have that be uncovered. But I enjoyed very much reading Detective Reed. Um, my grandfather, my father's father, was captain of detectives in Hartford, Connecticut, and wow. he never talked about his work. But I think it really intrigued me from a very early age. And when I, when that murder took place that I mentioned earlier that affected mm-hmm. my family, um, the detective. The, the state police detective who was on the major crime squad was, he was such a passionate um, advocate of, the, of this, of this murder victim. And he, I, I watched what he did. I, you know, I sort of saw some of the investigation from the inside. And then mm-hmm. I went to court and sat through the entire trial and saw the evidence and heard him and spoke to him and, that was really inspiring because it, it, it was genuine. It was really right from heart and soul. Um, yeah. You, you, you
0: created an authentic character based on this man that you, that you knew. So I think that's wonderful. Um, you said something interesting to me earlier. You said I was daydreaming when I thought about these characters, when you thought about Mm -hmm. Kate, um, uh, David Morell, the wonderful creator of Rambo and the co-founder of International Thriller Writers, told me one time that he thinks that it's a shame that adults don't daydream. He said, you mm. find yourself in daydreams. He said, um, they're not just for kids uh, you know, anymore. And, and he wishes that more adults would do that. So obviously, daydreaming paid off for you. Is it always like that for you when you
1: begin to write a book? I think so. I do think it is. I, I'm a big advocate of daydreaming too, and yeah. just not being focused all the time, letting your mind drift. Or, you know, yes. I, I get to that in nature mostly, um, and also yes. as we said earlier with, with my cats. But, um, right, you know, just kind of like sitting there and watching the clouds drift by, or going for a walk, and, and just not focusing on something, putting the phone away. Um, you know, I think that I actually think that the technology and the internet has has probably been great for some things. I mean, for many things, including research. Right. Although I still love, you know, having actual books to yeah. do my research. In. But, but I think always being sort of pulled away from your unconscious and from your daydreams and checking your email or checking Twitter or it, it's so readily available. So I. I definitely put it down as much as I can and just just let the ideas come up as they do. I like that you said that. I was thinking that
0: I'm friends with, you know, I have a cell phone. Mm Cell phones are so cheap these days. And a lot of people text and say, can I call you? And I want to say, why don't you just call? You know, (laughs) we've lost the art of conversation. We've lost the art of letter writing. And I'm, big on writing letters and sending cards and, and things like that. So, um, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, um, last autumn, I think it was around October, my computer and my cell phone crashed on the same day. And instead of, instead of being in a panic, I thought, Oh, how delicious. No one can find me. I don't have to look at anything. I, I, since I don't own a television, it was a completely freeing experience so and I think that you're right we have to get outside Um, Mm -hmm. uh, at one point I was when I was a victim advocate as you are I was certified by our state um, attorney general's office and after the 9-11 events a lot of the police that were where I worked I worked in a small police department went up to New York City and came back just so so overwhelmed and I remember saying the best thing you could do is eat healthy, get a lot of sleep, but go walk around in nature. And and maybe that was a prophetic thing on my part, but I really think that's important.
1: As well, obviously that's really you beautiful. do too. Yeah, I do. And, and and I yeah.
0: You appreciate nature too. You are an environmentalist and I think that's wonderful. I know you're with um the you're with Satina, right? You you are very involved with that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I think that's wonderful. Yeah, um, what do you like to do when you're not writing, other than daydream and play with the
1: cat? <laughs> um, gosh, what else is there to do? Read. Right? I, yeah I love to read. I love to cook. I have people over in my I, family. You
0: know, I swear friends. to God, we are we are separated at birth. Everything you've mentioned so far, we talked about this in the green room, but. I live I love by that. myself in the fives. I love to cook. i I printed out recipes, for
1: things for me to try, and then oh. I just share them with everyone. <laughs> it, 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 no, it's fantastic. I love it too. There's actually the New York Times cooking site has really oh. been fantastic. Do you use that? Oh, my brother and I do. My
0: best oh. friend and brother and I do. He's always trying something new he lives on the other side of florida from me so when we get together we do try to cook together and um he's he's the the chef in the family although he's a lawyer but he's a fabulous cook and um we do enjoy cooking together yes they're fabulous they really oh, yeah. are i think I, I have i have a couple shelves that are full of cookbooks too so you know, uh,
1: I, I love oh, cookbooks oh. i don't i don't use them a lot like i don't really use recipes that often I throw throw things together but um when i was young when i was in high school we had this one week it was called mini week where we we didn't have to take our regular classes and we got to take these interesting other classes and i it was a catholic school and the um, my French oh my teacher god. sister went to <laughs> yes,
0: I went through. Oh my god! I she, We're um, going to do genealogy together. I'm
1: telling you. I'm sure we're related. We have <laughs> when to we be. Um, <laughs> actually, the Monsignor's name was Stack. Now that I think about it, it really oh was. My god. And, and my parents are um, from New England. <laughs> oh gosh! Okay, we're going to have to like go down this road after after we the are. show. We but, are. We um, are. Anyway. <laughs> I, she taught French cooking, and I would go to class and we would cook the meal, prepare it, then we would eat it, then I would go home and we 'd go to the grocery store and i 'd buy the same ingredients and cook it for my family that night and I became the family cook um, and How wonderful. you know not every night, but yeah, most of the time and so it's very it's very nurturing for for yourself as well as the people you're cooking and for and the people that you're feeling yeah
0: you know and there is a thing too once you learn to cook by recipe and you you cook really difficult recipes after a while you can just say oh like I had masala soup today and um, mm. for lunch and it was just because of my love of Indian food and all that you know. Indonesian food and I you just kind of learn to throw things together with spices and all you you measure to your taste isn't that true
1: yes and I, and I can't bake because I don't like to measure and I don't like to be precise I kind of like to you know but as you said you kind of learn as you go along but you do that's what I like about Cooking as opposed to baking is very I admire people who do it, but it's way too hard for me. <laughs> well, for me it's it is
0: labor intensive, I have to agree. And um sometimes you can open up your refrigerator door, I don't know if you do this or not. You open it, you say, let's see, what have I gotten here? Okay. I've got that, and what fresh herbs do I have, and, you know, what spices do I have? And you just can imagine a meal where you can't do that if you're baking. Now, my brother gives me a lot of, like, cheat recipes for baking, and it turns out really good. But um, his son has been baking since he was five years old. His son is the ultimate pie and cake baker. So, um, you know, it, it must be the only thing I got from my mom, because uh, even though she was a wonderful woman. And so I got, you know, probably that in my DNA. And none of my bad stuff came from her, though. <laughs> so, uh-huh. But, um, but she, she baked everything. She cooked and baked all the time. My father and one of my brothers would always say, ugh. Meat and potatoes, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. my brother Brian and I were always saying, Oh, this is great French cooking it's all so fabulous. let's try something new oh, right you
1: know the more, it, it's, when i when it reminds me of this family I worked for when I was nineteen i was a I was a cook and a maid at, at a one of the mansions in Newport Rhode island, so wow. you know it's these illustrious families and um I was their cook and so i I wanted to do um a French. Cooking that I'd learned at school, but they wanted meat and potatoes, broiled steak, right. or broiled chicken, and uh bird's eye frozen vegetables every oh night. <laughs> That's what they like. And the dad, the father, would drive me to the grocery store in my white uniform, and he'd be driving the Rolls Royce Silver Cloud. And we wouldn't speak in the car because I was the maid and he was the you know the my employer. And we'd get right. into the grocery store and he'd push the cart around. The store and like he would point at things that he wanted me to put in the card. <laughs> but my it, was not a, it was it was a challenging job because I didn't get to really do anything exciting. It was sort of, okay, I'll do a burgers again tonight.
0: <laughs> you know, but a, a was, very wealthy family with very pedestrian tastes, right? So that's yeah. really a shame. I kind of cringe when, you know, someone says, oh, I'm I'm throwing, you know, my pot roast in with the frozen carrots and all the mm-hmm. oh so, no. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, Aww. eat something that grows out of the earth, you know.
1: <laughs> right. I know.
0: So many you wonderful things. The farmers market should be everyone's grocery store.
1: <laughs> oh, I, we're so lucky to have those now.
0: Yeah, I know, really, it's true. Um, I remember going to vegetable fields, though, in, in South Miami, because uh, I grew up in Miami, in South Dade, and they had all these great places you could go and you pick it and, you know, get all kinds of vegetables and beautiful, you know, clam strawberries the size of your fist. So um, yeah. funny, you know, funny, yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the your book's in that you have written a series also you have a series of books called uh, point slash Black Hall series and you've written several of those yet you have standalones and you have collections. What motivates you to do the series versus the standalone versus the collection
1: well the series. The quote-unquote series really refers to the setting of the novels, and there I are see. there are some that are linked. There may be two or three that are actually two or two or three pairs of novels that are linked. But it's mostly this community that I,
0: you know, I that see. I write
1: about. And um, but yeah, Hubbard's point is based on the um, a place in Connecticut. It's like a it's like a little hidden secret beach that you kind of nobody knows where it is and but I grew up there and so I, I love to write about it and and so it's called Hubbard's Point in my book um, ah, something else okay in my life. and then and then as I said earlier Blackhall is a lawn which I it's just the most beautiful town it's so beautiful and so inspiring I love it
0: Oh, how wonderful! Now you also have a collection of stories. Um, tell me why you decided to put a collection together.
1: Which one is this collection of short stories? Well,
0: I I was just kind of reading through your. I, I don't know if it, they got it wrong on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find where I saw it. I because I, I, I
1: don't. I, I do. I did start out writing short stories when I was a young writer. Uh, um, okay. I dropped out of college to write, and all everything I I would write short stories. I would send them to the New Yorker, and they would come back <sighs> in my like self-addressed stamped envelope within days, and all you know, and rejections. Um, and then uh, I began submitting to literary magazines as well, and eventually I began having acceptances. And so I feel like I love short stories, and I love it's such a completely different way of writing than It novels. is. I'm.
0: I'm in- I'm impressed when people can write short stories that they can um, you can put a complete, package of words together that makes a complete story i'm impressed by anyone who can do that i mean i'm listen i i don't know what i'm talking about i'm I'm impressed by anyone who can write period you know i can barely send out an email without a bunch of mistakes on it but um (laughs) so but i think it's a good writing sprint isn't it to do short stories and 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 little pieces of of flash even if it's in your own genre
1: I think so. I do. I, I love reading them, too. And I think having grown up, you know, when I was a little kid, my mother would read, read to us from The New Yorker, the, you know, and we'd go look through at the drawings. And um, and as I got older, I would, as I said, I'd submit to The New Yorker. And I my mentor was actually um, Brendan Gill. He, he was the drama critic of The New Yorker, but he somehow, I guess that maybe the fiction editor showed him one of my pieces because... He was from Connecticut and so was I. And we became really close and I'd go into New York and he'd take me out to lunch with the Algonquin and he said, Aww. you have to move to New York. You got me, dear child, dear child, you must move move to New York if you want a, a life in literature. And so I did. I moved to New York and, um, you know, and I kept writing stories. And I think maybe what you're referring to is that I've contributed to anthologies
0: Yes, um that's, that's what
1: it is. A story in something called *The Writing Irish* of New York, and it was wow. um, edited by yeah, Colin Broderick, a wonderful writer. And there are a lot of Irish Irish Americans who moved to New York like me. Um And so it's that could part possibly be it. Or Anne Hood, uh, wonderful writer Anne Hood, edited um, yes. one of the noir series, the Providence Noir. And I did a story for that. And um, how lovely.
0: Yeah. I wanted to tell you what my, my friends on social media, their favorite book is Dance With Me. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah, talking interesting. about that. Do you consider your books literary fiction or women's fiction other than I Believe Last day is a thriller, um, or do you mm-hmm. consider them, I mean, I know that you're listed in a couple different subgenres. you know, damn Amazon for doing that. It used to be just fiction, nonfiction, self-help and cookbooks, but, um, <laughs> but, but you are, you are listed in mystery and suspense, thriller, police procedurals. Is that what you consider yourself? A writer of, of those genres, subgenres, or
1: do you think, think that you're a women's fiction writer? I, you know, I, I like to, I answer to anything. I feel like whatever the <laughs> reader however right. the readers want to see the work, I love right. that, you know, I I think a lot of my books have been called romances, and I, I think, well, I don't really write romance, I write about love, but if the reader wants to read them as a romance, I love it, and if it's women's sure. fiction, that's fine, too. I, I guess I... You know, I've always thought it was general fiction. I would say that that would be what I thought it was, but that's just me.
0: (laughs) In in the good old days when you'd go into a bookstore, that's how it was, that's how you were shelved. You were mystery. I mean, you were fiction, you were (laughs) nonfiction, self help, and cookbooks. I don't don't remember being any other way. Fiction was fiction. Now, you've also had some um, wonderful stories adapted for television. So Crazy in Love was adapted for TNT, Blue Moon for CBS, Follow the Stars Home and Silver Bells for Hallmark, and Beach Girls, which was a miniseries on Lifetime. Um, Do do you have any say in how the scripts are done, or do you turn over your rights and then they have screenwriters and scriptwriters for these particular television uh, events?
1: In general... Um, I turn over the rights, and it sort of depends on the producers, how involved they want me to be. I really enjoy being involved, um, not as a writer. The only thing I've ever written for the screen has not ever been produced, but I wrote a script based on my novel Dream Country with an, um, an actor and screenwriter, Jace Bartok, and we had so much fun doing it. And we've had so much fun not making getting it made. We've almost gotten it made so many times
0: and sure. I keep thinking
1: it would be really funny to do a documentary on the not making of a movie because it's not making it's of a really, movie, that's really so funny. Yeah. That's funny. It is. Yeah. When someone has your
0: option for 20 years or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking, well, this is never going to be made.
1: <laughs> or in this case, well, we are the producers ourselves and we, you know, meet with investors and we attach right. actors and, and a director. And we, it's just been so fun, but <laughs> it hasn't done anything. Um, so I feel really lucky that I've had movies made and I, you know, I hope that uh, that could happen again, but, it's just a very separate part. It's so different. It is from right. The book part. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, it really is. Now, I want to mention to listeners that um, you were awarded an honorary degree um, for in connect, and your profile appeared in Connecticut College Magazine. Your honor, your Doctor of Humane Letters came from. St. Joseph's College in, in Connecticut, and you also got the, governor's, the Connecticut Governor's Arts Award for Excellence and Lifetime Achievement as a Literary Artist, and with you on stage or at the same time was Christopher Plummer, the renowned actor, and Tim Prentice, a very well-known sculptor, so mm-hmm. how wonderful and exciting must that have been for you?
1: Oh, that was, it It was, I was so honored. And, I, you know, I miss my parents always, but I really, I, I wish that they could have known about it. They were both Connecticut natives, and they would have been really happy and proud. And, of course, we all loved, you know, I mean, Christopher Plummer is such a legend. Um, right. I mean, he was a stage actor, but most famously, you know, in The Sound of Music, and I yes. certainly grew up on that. But, yeah, it was really exciting.
0: How wonderful for you. So so since you are an honorary doctor of humane letters, I should be calling you Dr. Rice, I suppose.
1: <laughs> we can dispense with the formality. <laughs> oh, geez.
0: We've already decided that our DNA is so closely linked. Why not, you know?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so funny.
0: Um, what's next for you?
1: Um, well, I'm working on my new novel that is in some ways linked to last day it has the same detective doctor um doctor and his brother tom reed who's a Coast Guard commander and uh, some of the same characters appear again it's the same town a similar setting um so i'm working on that and really just kind of that's the main thing writing
0: are you touring for this book
1: very, not very much. I just had a wonderful event at Bank Square Books in right. Mystic, Connecticut, and a few things, other things coming up. I, you and I had mentioned earlier domestic violence, yes. and I right. um, have been asked to speak at um, one of our local domestic violence center fundraisers. I'll be doing that, in very, you know, I, I when I did my talk on on um, Saturday. The, it, it was with, it was with the New London Day. It's wonderful writer for the is Rick Coster, and he started a book club, um, or they started a book club. And my last day was the inaugural read, and it oh, was a wonderful, wonderful event, and lots of people. And I wore both Rick and I wore purple um, in honor of domestic violence victims, both in my novel and Ellen Sherman is the woman who was killed that I mentioned earlier. That that the, yes. the story was kind of inspired by it. and then also just recent terrible events here in Connecticut where women have been uh murdered or abused by their by their partners and um yeah. and men so too.
0: One man particular. It's an epidemic. Yeah. It's an epidemic for sure and uh it's it's heartbreaking to me, you know, to to see this. Um Whose book is on your nightstand right now?
1: Right now, I oh gosh, it's so I've I've been reading some English writers who write about nature and uh, Amy Liptrot is is one um, the Outrun that's really wonderful it's a memoir and then that led me into gosh now I can't remember I think it's the Fragile Edge I'm just about to start it but it's about the Atlantic coast of, of the British Isles um, so kind of some nonfiction at the moment but. I, you know, I, I know that my friend Harlan Coben has a new book coming out. Yes, he does. Very soon. I have and it I'm sitting
0: right here. Um The boy I'm from jealous. the woods. The boy from yeah. the woods. That's sitting right oh. next to me. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. I'm re- really so. dying to, to read that. And um, it, yeah. So there's a thriller, of course, is on my nightstand. But um, but Amy's Amy Lipkrat's book is, is the one I'm reading at the oh, moment. Oh,
0: fabulous. Will you tell listeners and readers where they can find you on the web and in social media, please?
1: Sure. Um, I have a website, www.luanrice.com. I'm on Twitter, at Luann Rice, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, too, so everywhere. Good.
0: And we can find all the links on your website, I would imagine?
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Um, My guest today is Luann Rice. She's a New York Times bestselling author of 34 novels, including three young adult books. This book, her new one, which just released on the 1st of February, last day, is already a runaway bestseller with 1,200 five-star reviews on Amazon. Um, I I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you And you and I are going to talk again I am certain of it Um, And and connect some dots And just have a good laugh over that Luann Rice, thank you so much for being my guest today I have enjoyed this immensely
1: Thank you Pam I've loved it too, thank you
0: You're absolutely welcome Listeners, thank you for being with Luann and I tonight We appreciate it And thank you mom and dad I'll see you later (laughs)